Good morning, if you'd like to just take your seats again. Thank you. Again, a very uh, warm welcome to you, uh, particularly if you're visiting us this morning. It's great to have you with us. Well, this term, uh, we've started a sermon series uh, about the values of Jubilee Church. Um, we're privileged to be part of a wider family of churches called Regions Beyond. And as you came in today, I forgot to give out the... Some of you have got these. If not, you can get one on the way out. And this is the sort of the booklet that's explaining the values. And these are the values that we're preaching through uh, over the next uh, few uh, weeks. And it's really exciting to be part of that. If you haven't got a pamphlet, you can pick one up at the red information point. At the red information point today as well, if you have got a friend you want to bring to Alpha, so we know the numbers because we're having some great food, uh, you just need to pick up a ticket and we write down the name and, and the name of a possible guest. So you can get those tickets from the red information point if you want to come to our Alpha uh, launch night there at, at the red information point. Well, all our regions beyond churches are look different because they're all working into different cultures, different communities all around the world. Um, on Thursday night during our week of prayer, thank you so much for people who are able to come out and join us. Uh, we were praying about one of our churches in the USA that is planting another congregation with a particular aim to reach cowboys. Yes, really. Cowboys. Everybody say, yeah. Wow, we, you, we could send you to America to reach those cowboys. So there's another one of our churches. I got the privilege on Wednesday. On Wednesday night, I'm going down to London. We've been shortlisted as a church for our Work Among Life College and a national award. So I'm going down to see if we've won. I don't think we, we have, but I'd be privileged to go anyway. And uh, part of the afternoon, I'm going to go and visit a couple who are visiting again from the USA. We've only got a few churches in the United States called Lion's Den. And they've got a real passion and heart to reach bikers. So there you go. So there's quite a variety. And they have a lot of rehab programs working with the addicted. So I'm looking forward to meeting them, finding out what they're doing, learn from their experience. So we have different kinds of church, different styles. But we all aim to have the same values, the same foundations. And last week, Dan helped us look at what it means to have the Bible as our final authority in our lives, in our church. And previously, I spoke on the centrality of the local church. Well, this morning, we're going to look at one of our values, which is leadership. And this is what our value states. We are humbly led by gifted leadership teams. We recognize that God appoints elders and other leaders who serve the local church. They gladly partner with apostolic teams to help bring the church to maturity in their worldwide mission. So we believe that leadership is a key foundation for God's church. But of course, leadership is important in all areas of life, isn't it? Harry Truman, a previous US president, said this, Men make history and not the other way around. In periods where there is no leadership, society stands still. Progress occurs when courageous, skillful leaders seize the opportunity to change things for the better. Where there is no leadership, society stands still. Because leadership is about taking things forward. And of course, the church is in on, on a mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
Now, of course, you can have leadership that doesn't change things for the better as it tries to move things forward. Of course, we have powerful political leaders like the leader of North Korea. He's a very strong leader, great authority and control, but is totally going in the wrong direction. And there's certainly no humility in his leadership. So what should leadership look like and how should it be reflected into the life of Jubilee? Well, in Acts 20, we can see good leadership demonstrated through the Apostle Paul. So we're going to read some verses together. We're going to skip a few. We're going to start in verse 17. It says, Paul sent the... From a mil- oh, that place, Miletus. Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So the elders doesn't necessarily mean old men, okay? That's not... When we think of the word elder, when we use it in the church context, we're not saying old men. In Acts 14, 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. So elders were prayerfully put in place by Paul. That's part of the apostolic team, those who oversaw and cared for the churches. And there were teams of leaders that had responsibility for each local church congregation. Verse 18, it says, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived up my whole life, I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and the midst of severe testing by the plots of some Jewish opponents. Verse 27. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you, says Paul, the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that even after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with my tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anybody's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you but this kind of hard work. We must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus. It said it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with them all and prayed. Then they all wept and they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that he'd never see them face to face again. Then they accompanied him to his ship. So in these verses, we see an incredible example of God's humble leadership that was lived out in the life of Paul as he served God's people. Now, all of us here are called to leadership in some capacity. For some of us, we're parents and we're called to lead our children Maybe it's to help some other person and lead them into truth, to give them support. Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you're a lead nurse in the hospital. Maybe you manage the production line. Maybe you're in charge of the office or lead in a church context. Whether you lead in a community setting or maybe you're called to lead politically or in other capacities, whatever sphere of leadership you're in, you're called to live differently and you're called to live as an example. And from these verses we just read, Paul had an incredible impact on those 
people in that church, those leaders of the Ephesian church. And Paul just didn't have natural ability. God had appointed him. God had called him to lead. Because the Bible says actually leadership is a gift given by God. Romans 12 says we all have different gifts. We're all different. According to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is leadership, let him govern diligently. Ephesians 4 says this. It was God who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So Jesus has given us different gifts and different leadership gifts to his church so that we can all be encouraged, built up in our faith and strengthened to live for God and go on the mission he's called us into. And he's given men and women with leadership gifts and abilities to help serve his church, to help serve here in Jubilee. And the function of these is to train and equip the church to function themselves and to be released into all that God has called them to do. Dan, who was leading worship uh, with us this morning, is one of my elders. And us together, as we lead the church's elders, God's given us the grace and the gift to lead. It wasn't some elected choice, or it wasn't even a personal ambition. We're not extra special or better than anybody else, but God's grace has come to us to help us lead this church. And our gifts aren't important than anybody else's gifts here. We just have greater responsibility with the gifts that God has given us. And the basic requirement of any leadership has to be this. It has to be servanthood. It has to be humility. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. John Calvin said this, If ministers wish to do any good, let them labour to form Christ, not form themselves in their hearers. See, a good leader and a good church leader always points to Jesus. Doesn't build himself or herself up, but focuses us to look upon him. So there are just four things I just want to draw out from these verses that will help us to understand our value of leadership in Jubilee and in religions beyond. The first is this, is leadership has to take responsibility. Acts 20, we've just read, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. God is described as a shepherd. And Jesus was called all kinds of things. But he was called a prophet, a teacher. He was called an apostle. But he said of himself, I am the good shepherd. And Paul in these verses says, Elders oversee the flock. It says they're like shepherds. The Greek word for pastor is the same word for shepherd. And as elders Dan and I are called to look after the whole church, we are called to shepherd the sheep. That means every area of church life and every individual. We may have particular responsibilities that we do have, but we want to care and oversee the kids' work, our older people, our work into the community, our growth groups, our life college, full our charity, new Christians outreach together. Because every area of church life and every individual is important. 
And we therefore work hard at making sure as we grow and develop, we have systems and people in place to help that happen. See, by Dan and I having responsibility and oversight, it doesn't mean we can be involved in every detail. It doesn't mean we can know every person individually. It doesn't mean we can say hello and give you a hug every single Sunday or midweek because we want to delegate that responsibility, but we take spiritual responsibility. That's why we have our growth groups, midweek groups, where there can be more support and care on the mission that God's called us together. If you haven't signed up yet for a growth group, then please, on the orange board outside, I'll tell you where the groups are. Please do sign up and a leader will be in contact with you this week because that's part of our care. It's very difficult to know where people are at, what they're going through, uh, unless they tell somebody, unless people are around them supporting and caring. That's one of the structures that we've put in place. So please do sign up if you're able to. Even if you work shifts, I know many of our church work shifts, doesn't matter. You can still sign up, go every other week when you're able to, but be under the support and care. Well, in the New Testament uh, church, the elders appointed those who were called deacons, who were trusted men and women leaders who helped support the church and whose work released the elders to fulfill their more role effectively. Because it's so keen. And in the past 18 months or so, we've, we've experienced a real period of transition as a church, haven't we? As we planted out in faith our church, River City Church, who are gathering about 40 each week now in the east of the city. And it's exciting what God is doing through them. But we sent out some great leaders, some people who do carry weight and responsibility. And it's been a joy to hear what God is doing through them. But I know it's also been a painful process, hasn't it? And Dan and I realise as we move forward, we need to keep raising up leadership and we need to strengthen the leadership among us here at Jubilee. Therefore, Dan and I have gathered over the last few months a team of people who are performing a deacon role uh, job in the church, who are kind of taking responsibility of supporting us. And they've supported Dan and I in strengthening and helping to plan what is happening in Jubilee. So we meet together on a regular basis. We eat together because friendship's important. We plan, we discuss, and we pray together. And they're committed to our vision And that is demonstrated by their service, their care, love, being here almost every week when they're able to be here, week in, week out. And they encourage and pray for Dan and I and all that we are doing. Now actually, if you're a member of Jubilee, it's all our role to support and care and to pray. (laughs) So it doesn't negate our responsibilities. But also there's times when God anoints people for specific roles. And the leadership team will grow It will develop, others will join, others will have a period, a season out of that. It's not a set in stone steam, a team, but it's the team for this season. And the current team, obviously, Dan and I lead that team. Um, We've got Mark Rothery, Alison McKay, Andrew Stevens, Sue Wilson, uh, Ben Bateson, and Phil Irvin are part of our current leadership team. We're so grateful to God for them. In fact, if you're here this morning, could you stand up, those people I've just mentioned? Mark Rothery, Alison, Andrew, Sue, Ben, Phil. Ben's upstairs in, uh, in the student, uh, sorry, with the children this morning. Dan, you can stand up as well. There you go, Dan. Why don't we just stretch? I just want us to just pray for them as they're standing. 
Father, we just want to thank you for this team. We thank you as well for Ben. We thank you for Andrew as he's serving us, even on welcome team this morning. Lord, we thank you for their love and support. Thank you for their commitment. Thank you for their phone calls, their emails, constantly wanting to encourage and support their ideas moving forward. We pray you'd bless them and anoint them as they continue to serve you in this season. Amen. Amen. Do sit down. Thank you so much, guys. So keep praying, keep supporting us as we move forward. It's so important that we have a team. It's not just me and Dan making those decisions. Paul says, watch over yourselves. And as leaders, our responsibility is to look at our own lives and families and make sure we're also caring for them and others. Spending time in prayer, reading the word, being accountable to one another. Because I've often found too many leaders are isolated and have no one to speak into their lives, to encourage, to correct. And we have a team here committed to doing that. Not just internally, but also outside of us as we're part of this region's beyond family, to learn from one another, to be encouraged, to have our lives spoken into as we gather with other church leaders. That's so important. That's what we call the apostolic team, those who have oversight and care on the mission together. And it's so important that we keep receiving strong apostolic prophetic gifting as a church from outside of ourselves. So we don't become insular. We don't just come looking on ourselves. We look outwards to see what God is doing around the world and say, yes, we're on a mission together. So leadership does and should take responsibility. And secondly, this is what leadership does. It protects. See, shepherds are not only called to watch, but when danger comes to act. And in the Old Testament, the shepherds would often build sort of watchtowers to look out for danger. And spiritual shepherds are called to watch out for dangers in the church. Because there are enemies. In this passage, it mentions false teaching. They're false doctrines. Even people who have come to try and undermine what God is doing. That is why the Bible for us is, as Dan said so well last week, it is our final authority. We're not trying to adapt to culture. We're not trying to adapt to the latest ideas. But we're coming back to the Bible So when there's wrong expectations of what marriage is, where a church is trying to be popular rather than stand on biblical truth, it's important for us as leadership to protect. And there's, of course, a lot of large and dangerous and false teaching out there in books, on the internet, on some Christian TV channels. And we must challenge that false teaching because it will distract us from the mission that God's called us to. And therefore, shepherds are called to protect Because what do lazy shepherds do? They leave the church vulnerable. Of course, as a flock of sheep, they don't have any natural weapons. They're defenseless and they need to be protected. And traditionally, the elders would sit at the gate of a city and they would watch who comes in and who comes out. There'd be a regulation. That's why Jesus said, I am the gate. You can only go through Jesus into his church. But the elders were there to protect at the gates. And therefore, shepherds don't let anybody into the flock who might damage the flock. And they fight for the sheep. In Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the shepherd had a rod, and it was for protection of the sheep. So here comes a wolf or a bear, and it's a whack. 
It's a shouting. It's a get away from here. Leave the sheep alone. That's why we're so committed to bringing God's love and help and support. And some people might think, well, sometimes, isn't that a bit harsh, you know? Shouldn't you just let people in? They can decide for themselves. No, I'm called to be a shepherd. And where churches have good shepherds and good leadership, not just eldership, but have leaders and growth groups and support and care, they can speak truth in love and grace to prevent things happening. Where leaders act with godly spiritual authority, we should therefore feel secure. The third thing out of my four is this, is that leadership guides. See, naturally, sheep don't have any sense of direction either. Left to their own devices, they will go anywhere. They will stray. They will just look for the green grass. It looks better over there. Let's go over here. Let's go over here. There's the shelter. Let's go under here. But the Bible says all of us were like sheep that have gone astray. Each one of us, Isaiah 52 verse 6, have turned to their own way. And it's important if you're not a Christian here this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, the Bible says you're like a lost sheep. You've gone your own way. You've turned your back on the creator who's loved and made you. Therefore, your life is a mess because you have no true guide. You're actually even on the wrong path. You're headed towards danger and ultimately total destruction. Yet Jesus is a wonderful shepherd who, because of his death and resurrection, is able to take us onto the right path. We all need Jesus to be our shepherd. You need Jesus. You need his guidance. You need his salvation. That's why we're running our Alpha course, a great opportunity to ask questions, to have discussion, to find out more about this Jesus. That's why we run those courses, because we want to help people like we were once. We were lost, and now we've found Jesus to be our shepherd. So I want to encourage you to think about that. And Jesus is the shepherd. And then he uses under-shepherds, leaders to help and correct and guide us. And a leader knows, should know where he's going and take people with him. Come this way. It's called vision. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. And a, leadership, a leader shouldn't try to be influential. He or she just is. And over the years, many people have come up to me and said, well, I think I'm called to be a leader. I said, well, if you're called to be a leader, then people will begin to follow you. People will begin to follow you, to see where you're going and want to follow. Paul said in verse 19, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. See, Paul was humble in his leadership. He loved the people. He loved the sheep. And there was a depth of relationship. So they all wept and they embraced and kissed him as he was going. Wow. They didn't want Paul to go. See, in the Old Testament, shepherds always led from the front. In our society, in English culture, how are sheep herded? What? From the back with what? What do they use? Dogs. Do, this is a question. Who, who loves sheep dogs? I love sheep dogs. Some of you don't like dogs at all, so I'm not going to ask you that question. But they are gorgeous, aren't they? I wonder if you ask the sheep if sheep could talk, which they can do, if you watch certain programs, um, if sheep talked and he said, do you love that little, beautiful little sheep dog? Do you know what they would say? No. They are in fear of that dog. How does the sheep dog control 
the sheep by fear. A little nip here and there. As the shepherd drives the sheep and correct, the dog brings that correction. It's the wrong way round. A shepherd should lead with love, not with fear. And the danger is you can have churches and communities where people are in fear of the leader, where they bow and curtsy to him, where they drive people into giving finance. The offering bucket goes around twice because people haven't given enough. When the pastor comes into the room and it goes silent, they're seen as being above to be served, not to be challenged. And that is so dangerous when leaders are put up or when they put themselves on a pedestal. And it is dangerous when they don't have accountability. And as leaders, we should be able to say to people, follow me. Not forcing them, cajoling them, but because they want to follow. Hebrews 13 says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 1 Corinthians, therefore I urge you, Paul says, to imitate me. And so as leadership, we need to demonstrate a lifestyle of grace in our families, our finance, our attitudes, our service. So you can say, actually, that's an example I want to follow. And in following leadership, we must do that. We must therefore let people lead. Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. So it doesn't say... Just because they're leaders, you just say they've got to be grace and full of love. And so therefore, I'm I'm just going to make my own decisions sometimes. I'm not going to follow them because I'm not sure they're 100% correct. Do you know what? I'm not 100% correct. In fact, I'm wrong quite a number of times. But by obeying and being submissive as I submit to others, then we go on this journey together. And we say sorry when we make mistakes. We move forward together. And so it's so important, those extremes we don't want in Jubilee. We don't want the extreme of fear and intimidation of leaders having to drive everything and get there, be that, do that, give, serve me. And we don't want the other thing where it's all love and grace and because there has to be, at times, there has to be correction and grace in correction and that is love of itself. So obey your leaders, it also says. We're not always right, but we're always responsible. And lastly, leadership does pay the price. Some people, I was on the train with Caleb yesterday coming back from London. And you know when people ask you what job you do? And if you don't have a job, it's an awkward question. It's also an awkward question sometimes when you're a church leader. You're thinking, what on earth are they going to think? So I read a few conversations of different people got on and off the train. And they, they were quite surprised. They said, we've never met a church leader. What do you do? I think they just kind of imagined I just turned up on a Sunday, you know, preached occasionally, and I was a bit lazy maybe because I don't preach every week. So what on earth do I do? And so I started to tell them some of the things I did. And they started to laugh a bit, and they were like, how do you fit it all in? I thought, I've got no idea. I don't think I do. But I don't pray all day. I'd love to pray all day sometimes. Sometimes it would be hard work, harder to pray than to do the computer. But I wish. But like Paul said, his leadership involved tears and testing. And there's so many books on leadership, great books to read, and it's important to read those. 
They speak on call and qualifications, but few on the cost. There's a cost to leadership, both in finance, in time, in relationships. John 10, 11, Jesus says, the hired hand runs away, but the shepherd lays down his life. See, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep, not the other way around. 1 John 3, this is how we know what God is, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, served and ultimately died for us, for each one of us. And if you understand what Christ has done, that will help them motivated you. Because we're called to serve. There's nothing wrong in honouring leadership, but a leader is called to be humble and to lay down his life. Paul said, I haven't coveted anyone's silver or gold. That's one of the false doctrines, one of the false teaching that's often on the television. If you send me this much money, then God will bless you. If you give a certain amount, God will bless you even more. It's disgusting and it's vile. It's not Christian leadership at all. It's self-serving. It can be clothed into all kinds of things, but ultimately it's asking for silver and gold for God's blessing, and it's sickening. Paul said, I haven't coveted anybody's silver or gold. Some church leaders do. They want the big plush office. They demand the best company car. They love the big shiny poster of the pastor and his wife. They expect special treatment and pampering. People walk around them. And it makes God sick. Some people have others running around them, serving them, taking all the advantages of control rather than service themselves. See, true leadership is serving people, not the other way around. But we to lay down our lives. I wonder if that's your attitude about leadership. Maybe you are a leader, as I've said. Are you willing to put others first? Are you serving others rather than yourself? Are you serving God in your family, in your community, in your workplace, in his church? And if God called you on somewhere else, would people weep because of the impact you have as a leader? What a testimony that would be. You announce you're getting a new job. And people are just so upset that you're going. Why? Because your leadership has been so humble, so loving, so caring, so compassionate. If God calls you on, is that the impact you have? God wants that for all of us. And I want to pray that in Jubilee, as different people serve in different areas, whether it's eldership, whether it's those on the leadership team, those leading our growth groups, our beta course, taking responsibility for leading teams, leading worship. We want us to be humble as we serve God together. Because that's the mission God has called us to. That is one of our values, our foundation, that we have leadership that's not just one person, but is a team on a mission together. And we follow a sheep and we say, God, take us. That's what's going to change our city. That's what's going to change the nations as together we say, we're going Even when it's tough, even when it's hard, even though there's another call, we're going to go on a mission again together. Come on our evangelism team on a Saturday, come and reach out. And you're like, but we're going to go. We're going to do it. We're going to seek God together as we keep looking to what God has to do. He is our great leader. He is the great shepherd. 
and it's his church. Why don't we just stand together? If you are a leader in the workplace, maybe you're a team leader, maybe you're a supervisor, maybe you're the lead nurse, maybe you run the production line, if you're in any sort of leadership in your job, can you just put up your hand for me? Great, loads of you. Right, I'd like to just quickly come down the forward. Just come to the front, just quickly. All of you put your hand up. Just come right down, because it's so important. These guys are leading men and women. They're setting the example in their workplaces, in their community. Maybe you're a community leader. Maybe you lead a volunteer team uh, out in the community. We're not talking about church at the moment. We're going to come to church in the moment. Anybody else? Lead nurses, supervisors on shifts. Please just come on down. We're just going to pray for you. Why don't we just move right across? That's it. Just step forward a bit. You know, we need leaders in our workplaces, don't we? We need leaders in our communities that are really going to serve God humbly. They're going to care for others. Why don't you just reach out to God? We're just going to pray for you. We're going to again just ask for God's anointing and God's response in your life as you lead charities, I can say, as you, you lead pharmacies, as you lead on health and safety, as you lead in the warehouse, as you lead in GP surgeries, as you lead in your own businesses, as you lead at the college and all the other things events, businesses. Father, we just want to pray for these people, Lord. We want to pray. Father, I just pray again today for your anointing upon them. Fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they would lead with both humility and boldness, that they would lead people to where you want them. Lord, they're working in very, some of them in very secular environments. And Lord, I pray there'd be an example of grace, of love, of humility. We pray for opportunities for the gospel, Lord, in their places. Lord, we pray, anoint them, equip them. Lord, would they have the privilege of just knowing your wisdom and your discernment when they're, some of them are in management meetings where decisions are made. Lord, give them your wisdom on a circumstance. Would they have extra insight? Lord, when people ask them questions, where, where do you get that from? Why are you so calm in the midst of this storm that's happening in the workplace? Lord, we pray for your anointing upon them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're serving in any aspect of church life, whether that's gross groups, beta group, leading kids' work, leadership of any capacity in the church, then please come forward because we'd love to pray for you. If you're not and you're here, some of you need to keep staying because you're still leading in other areas of church life. Why don't we just come forward? We'd just love to pray for you. It's so important that we come before God that we respond to him. And we're so grateful for everybody who leads in the church. Everybody takes responsibility for leading teams, for growth groups, for just come right forward, push forward. Whether you're in our church or another church, it doesn't matter if you're in any form of church leadership. We just love uh, to pray for you because it's so important that we just receive from God. Why don't we just reach out for God? Let's believe God for a fresh anointing, fresh encouragement of his Holy Spirit. Thank you. Why don't the rest of us, let's just reach out to them. Let's bless them. These are guys and girls that just bless us, that help us. That are, Some of them are upstairs looking after our children, some in different capacities during the week. We're so grateful to God. Some of them are leading our life college. Some of our, our full, which is our social enterprise, all kinds of areas of church life. Father, we want to thank you for each one. 
We thank you for these men and women who you have raised up for this season, for this time. And we want to pray, Lord, as we go into this new term, this new season. Lord, as we start Life College next week. Lord, as we look to expand our teams, as people take new responsibility in children's ministry, as there's pastoring and care and beta course and all these other things. Lord, we just want to ask you, Holy Spirit, anoint your men and women to serve you with power and authority as they lead humbly. Lord, I pray for others to follow. Lord, we pray for our young people who are led, our student work. Lord, whatever area for worship, Holy Spirit, just come upon them. Lord, in Jesus' name, just anoint them for our English classes. Lord, we pray for anointing for Jackie and her team as she leads that. Lord, we just ask you for the worship team, the tech team. Lord, in other areas of church life, I can't even remember, we do so much. Lord, we just pray for your anointing upon your leadership, that we would be led with humility, but they would know the anointing of the Holy Spirit as we're called up in this mission together. Lord, just anoint them in Jesus' name. Jesus, now why don't you put your hand on somebody next to you, those of you being prayed for. Just pray for the person. Just ask for more of the Holy Spirit, for God to bless them. Just God to bless them now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And for the rest of us, Maybe we, there's people here who are not bold enough to come and be prayed for. That's fine. But you aspire to lead. You aspire to be an example. And hopefully that's all of us. Some of us have the privilege of being parents, foster carers here. Children is a massive area of leadership and is probably the toughest place to lead. Maybe there's other areas. Let's just reach out to God for ourselves. I'm going to pray for all of us here. Father, we want to thank you. Lord, that you have called us to lead, to take responsibility. We pray for every parent, every foster carer, every person who's adopted here. Lord, we want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Would you anoint them? We pray for people going into situations where they have to take decisions and leadership. Lord, we pray for people to rise up, for godly leadership, to set the example to parents, to teachers, to those around, as we live out things in our community, pray for those who are struggling at the moment, Lord, that you would lift them, you'd inspire them, and you'd strengthen them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us this morning at Jubilee. If you are a visitor, thank you.